Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Julie Hubert. She's the president and CEO at Workland. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. It's, I'm glad to be on your show. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite fascinated by what you guys are doing. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Perfect. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I grew up, uh, well, actually, I half grew up in Quebec. Uh, so I was born and raised half my life in Quebec. Okay. And then I spent the other half of my life uh, and teenage years in Toronto, which is why I have this weird French and English accent <laughs> <Very> <laughs> that usually people tell me. Um, and uh, basically, afterwards, I, I came back to Montreal uh, to do my, my school, my university. Okay. Uh, so I went to Concordia here in Montreal and then uh, McGill University to uh, finish my, my business and marketing uh, studies before okay. heading out uh, to the workforce. So, so what made you want to go uh, and get your business MBA and marketing uh, in university? Well, actually, it's, uh, it's a fluke that I ended up in business studies. Uh, when I was in uh, here in, in Quebec, we have a call, like pre-university degree that we must do, which is our version of college, but you need it to go to the university. Oh, and okay. uh, I, was, I was in sciences and, uh, you know, heading into like a more scientific uh, training. And okay. uh, I really didn't like it. And I kind of didn't know what to do. And a couple of my friends were in business and I said, hey, what the hell, I'm going to try it. And I really, I ended up loving it and loving, especially marketing. You know, I'm a little bit artistic, uh, you know, on, on a certain aspects of how uh, I like to work. So, sure. uh, and then I just continued on and on until I got all the diplomas I could. And then, you know, uh, thinking about teaching because that's all I have left. <laughs> Everything's been studied. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> So you get out of university, walk me through your career up until Workland. Yeah, well, actually, uh, I didn't, uh, I kind of uh, worked all the way through my studies. Okay. Uh, so I had a different job while I was going to school. Okay. And uh, it, I just thought it was so uh, awesome to be able to learn things. And then apply it to my different jobs, you know, and, and to really get some concrete uh, examples of what I was learning. Okay. So cool. again, I, I, most of my, uh, bachelor's studies were done part-time. So was my MBA. Uh, and I went straight into, uh, the pharmaceutical industry as a product manager. So I kind of worked my way up, uh, the marketing ladder, uh, subsequently I went into the pulp and paper industry again, going higher, uh, than I had before into, you know, larger products you know, covering uh, America instead of just, you know, local products, doing right. some pretty interesting things in terms of product and brand management. And then I ended up in uh, one of the coolest jobs ever working for YoPlay and, and the yogurts and then having just so much financial resources to do really, really cool stuff and develop products. Okay, and uh, after I had basically done everything you could think of in marketing and, and having reached, you know, a higher, uh, you know, a, a director level position, I just uh, decided I wanted to, uh, you know, do what I had originally thought I would do, which was be an entrepreneur. So um, I ended up quitting my job uh, when I found the right project, which was Workland. And uh, the story kind of started there. <laughs> okay, very cool. So how did Workland come to be and what exactly do you guys do? Okay, well, there's a cute little story of how we came to be. And, right. and I like to talk about it because people like those haha moments, you sure. know, where, the, you know, you're kind of struck by lightning. And, uh, you know, I had always been a career oriented person, you know, going from company to company, you know, growing in responsibilities and level and salary. 
So uh, as I had started, you know, having done everything and, and, and that I could in the present job and my last, you know, corporate job, I, start, I said, you know, well, I'll, I'll do what people do, what I've always done. I'm going to go look for a job. And uh, I just spent, you know, six months in what I like to call hell, <laughs> <laughs> job searching, sending CVs, getting pulled into like hundreds of interviews and phone calls and psychometric testing. And funnily enough, every single time I got so close to the end of the race and something happened, you know, either a difference in salary, a difference in conditions, you know, uh, another person, you know, with a different background. Anyways, every single process that I endured during those six months ended up not working out. Okay. And uh, one night, you know, kind of depressed and saying, oh, my God, what's wrong with the world? I ended up uh, watching Jerry Maguire. And this okay. is a true story. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> and, awesome. And I just said, <laughs> I just said, oh, my God. I mean, this is what people need. This the candidates need this. I would need this. I would need an an agent. And oh my God, what if I could bring technology to be able to do that agent job for everybody and to automate this this matching process, which is just not working. And uh, and I was just struck by lightning. And and everybody in my family and my workplace, like everybody, thought I was crazy uh, because I was from <laughs> marketing and sure. I was talking about high-tech stuff and HR, two fields I had never worked in. and But I was so passionate for the problem that it's just, I didn't care. I said, I'm going to figure it out. And I, I, well, I did actually, since I'm still talking about it. Sure. So you've guys, you guys have been around almost eight years. Is that correct? Yep. Almost eight years coming soon. Um, so we started very humbly. Uh, sure. Again, like I mentioned, I was, I was starting it from scratch, really going from the idea of automating the matching system right. uh, and uh, started on my kitchen table as a one person employee. And then, you know, a little co-working, then a couple consultants working with me. And uh, it took because the uh, startup ecosystem back in 2011, 12, it, it, there was really it was messy. You didn't know where to go. There was no funds. So it took a little bit less time than if I would start a company from scratch today because, you know, there's really a lot of interesting programs in place. Sure. Um, so we ended up launching the first version of our system uh, two years later after launch. Okay. And uh, it was incredible because it was really a, a technology. It was like a dating site for work where basically, you know, employees or candidates would come fill in their information in a lot of detail. So we would collect a lot of detail on what you want, what you don't want, who you are, what you can do. And on the other side, the employer would do the same. And then there was an automated match that would be between parties, but candidates couldn't apply to positions. You had to match to be put into relationship with the other party. Okay. And uh, candidates thought it was like the coolest thing. It was really back then super revolutionary. Like no one was talking about any sort of match in the recruitment field and the HR was just not ready for that kind of disrupting idea. <laughs> sure. um, so it was a challenging time and it was kind of, you know, that dual market reality where you need candidates, but you need employers. And if you had, don't have the other, it kind of doesn't work as well. So um, we did a couple pivots. We did a lot of service to be able to learn and grow with our customers and implement and, and involve the technology. Okay. And uh, the system that we have today is completely different than this first version. And it, it's really a system that, that uses the full power of AI okay. to be able uh, not only to find and, and, and do these huge outreach campaigns to candidates, locally, nationally, internationally. And then once the, the, the inflow of candidates come in, then that's where we use the AI to really match. So to, to automate the pre-qualification. So all the, what I want, what I don't want, what I can do, what I can offer. And then we added a second level, which is a psychometric match. So we're looking at all the spheres uh, in relationship to the candidate doing the same thing on the company side so that really when we say it's a good match, it's not just based on three or four or five or even 10 criteria. Uh, you know, in cer certain cases, it's hundreds of data points that come together to say, this is a great match. And it's, it's, you know, it's a great opportunity to invest your time. And again, it goes back to 
my experience of me wasting my time with the wrong opportunities, with the wrong company. The goal of the system is to avoid this. And once you have a match, then you know you should invest your time. And uh, what we also push a lot is the fact that we want to make sure uh, that, that recruiters are, are, are more inclusive and to reduce the hiring biases that kind of naturally flow in the human recruitment process. Uh, so, you know, the system gives equal opportunity to all, whether you come from one country or another, whether you're a man or woman or an older person, all these data points don't come into uh, to be considered in the match so that we're really helping, uh, you know, everybody have equal opportunity. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because yeah, yeah, I you're right. I and I think as recruiting good talent becomes more and more challenging, I, I think having a system like what you guys are building makes a lot of sense. At least personally in my experience, even um in the little bit of time I've had to try to recruit people for jobs at the companies I've worked for in the past. Uh, yes, and, and, you know, what's exciting is technology in probably like the last 12 to 18 months has really, really come through the HR world. Okay. It wasn't like that before. People thought I was like some, some, some alien from another planet <laughs> when I talked about automation. And there's a lot of talk about AI now, but nobody wanted to hear about AI three years ago. I can tell you that. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, all these, this opening to the world of tech and HR is there. So that's really positive. On the other side, there, there's this inflow of, of technologies, of solutions who, who offer part of the solution, but temporarily this, this, it's creating chaos. So recruiters and companies, they, they kind of don't know where to turn, you know, which technology should I use? Where's my candidates? How do I get there? So I foresee it's going to continue being a little bit chaotic, but ultimately uh, I foresee that within the next two years, things are going to consolidate, stabilize, and we're going to be much more efficient, uh, you know, for both sides of the equation. So it's really an amazing industry to be in right now. Yeah, it, it is interesting because traditionally it seems to be, well, I, I guess kind of like anything else, it, it's a numbers game for companies trying to recruit, right? And you don't know if the next person you reach out to is going to be a fit. I also think sometimes just speaking from my own personal experience, obviously some recruiters are better than others and sometimes they're not even looking really at your profile. It's one keyword matches on your LinkedIn profile and they're sending you an email and they didn't even really look into you at all. Right. And I, like I had one experience once where a recruiter reached out to me and they were trying to sell me on why I should move to the city that I was born and raised in. And it was like, you clearly didn't even look at my profile. <laughs> right. And, and so I get that's like a worst case example, but it's it can be really tricky. So I'm curious to dive a lot deeper into how do you leverage AI and what exactly is the stuff that you guys do? Because like, I, I guess, how does Atlas work with Workland and how does AI fit into all of that stuff? That's a big question with multiple answers. If I don't answer everything, please tell me. Okay. I'm going to try to, to, to sure. be as concise as possible. Uh, so the first point that you bring uh, is that it's a, it's a numbers game. I would also say that recruitment is also a, mark, a digital marketing and sales game as well. So you've got okay. the marketing, okay. you've, got, you've got the sales to be able to sell candidates on the opportunities. Obviously, the right way, not the way you describe, although I hear hundreds of examples like that every week of things that just, you know, shouldn't be. And it's, I think that's going to continue for, for still a short while. Uh, but the numbers is something important and it, it does connect also to the marketing side, because as you're investing in the technology, in the digital campaigns, you need to see what works, what doesn't work, you know, and, and all that is also new, you know, both marketing and, you know, looking at the metrics is new to the HR function. So, you know, by the time they kind of learn, it's going to take some time for them to become comfortable. 
and to you know make sure that these campaigns become more and more uh, effective. So that's probably why we see still a lot of, of things that aren't working as they should. Again, I anticipate as a very optimistic person, things, you know, market corrections and a lot of progressions as, as the, that specific market kind of gets a hang of, of the technologies that they have in their hands. Second, uh, you know, our system, the way it functions maybe differently from, from other systems is, uh, again, we are a candidate-driven company from the start, okay. told you my story, and it was really to make it so that, you know, candidates and their well-being was at the heart of everything we developed, okay. you know, in terms of technology or in terms of, you know, service when we had to do service. Obviously, the company is also our client and we want the well-being of the company because if we match them with the right candidate, well, the candidate that the employee will be happy and then, you know, a, a, a happy employee is productive and, you know, everybody's happy in the equation. But I think, you know, most companies are taking a lot of the side of the company and, and overlooking a lot of the candidate experience still today, you know, in most sites, you know, to apply, uh, it's long, it, it's, you know, it's lengthy, it's complicated, and you don't get any feedback. So I think, I think there's a lot of work and we spend a lot of time developing our technologies so that we can bring to candidates things that they've been calling for for the last years, like automatically, you know, keeping them in the loop as they progress through uh, the, the, you know, the HR funnel, letting them know when a position is closed so that they don't, you know, continue hoping that they'll get feedback. So small examples of what we're doing on the tech front to make sure that the, the candidate is, is uh, you know, his well-being is uh, taking into account. Uh, you know, we try the onboarding, we try to make it, you know, a little bit more fun and, you know, less uh, lengthy. So if, you know, a candidate doesn't have time that we're able to help them very, very quickly. And then, you know, when they have time to spend more time giving us information, then we can do that after. Now, at the core of the matching system and what we have now, but what we're also working towards is really to make sure that as, you know, AI is a growing field and, uh, you know, most companies that are, are working in AI are also working to make this intelligence grow and learn, you know, and just get better and better. That's the goal because it's, it's a new, it's a new field anyways, for, for a lot of companies. Sure. So what we want to make sure, and I alluded to it earlier is as we're programming and, and programming an intelligence that, you know, in time would reprogram itself, you know, you know, getting more data, being more performant in the match, we need to make sure that we're not excluding people. And, and that's the big problem with a lot of the technologies out there, the recruitment technologies that are there and that, you know, companies have, is that a lot of the matching is based on keywords. Okay. So if you, for example, you know, don't really know, you haven't looked for a job in 10 years. So you're not really aware of how to do a CV. You do your CV, but hey, you forget the keywords of the, the most of the recruitment technologies. Well, you're probably going to be excluded automatically, but maybe you are the perfect candidate for that position. Interesting. And that's, that's, that's how most systems work is that they filter via keyword. And I was reading an article uh, just next week where by 75% of candidates are just automatically filtered out of these systems based on keywords. And that actually people, if they take enough time, can invest uh, some, some time and resource in, in working their CV to be able to uh, bypass the auto filter, which, you know, it's, it, okay, it's good. Okay, fine. You get on top of the pile, but it's, it's like overlooking the heart of the problem, <laughs> which is a matching system that clearly isn't performant, isn't, you know, uh, doesn't, you know, uh, get companies to go further in terms of what they're doing to avoid those biases, to be more inclusive in their recruitment practices. And that's where we're working to make sure that as we filter candidates, we're filtering really for the candidate. So if I, I have somebody who's not a match, well, technically, if I'm transparent, I should be able to show him or her the report and say, hey, you know what, this is why you're not a match. And, you know, if I'm doing my job correctly, they, he or she should say, oh, yes, I understand. And it's true, you know, and that's clearly not what's happening on the market with the existing technologies. And that's what we want to do. 
Um, just because we take inclusivity very, very to heart. We're a highly diversified company. We've been right from the start. And it probably comes from the fact that I lived in, in beautiful Toronto and it is very, very, very diverse and multicultural city. So, you know, we want to make sure everybody has equal opportunity. And uh, in a talent shortage, which is like we're in a world crisis for talent, especially sure. in fields like IT and AI, you know, everybody's looking for yep. for those specialists. Uh, you need to be inclusive. You need to be able to consider and be open to, to looking at potentially hiring somebody from abroad. But, you know, you can't be traveling, you know, to Brazil or to France or to another country, you know, to, to recruit every week. So, you know, the goal of technology is to bring that power to connect and match efficiently with the right talent, you know, right into the hands of the recruiters sitting in their office. And that, that's the heart of the problem that we're tackling and using, you know, the core technology that we've developed through the years to tackle those society, those big scalable problems. And, and, and to do that working with companies, working with governments, working with the candidates to really make that wheel turn much more efficiently than it's turning right now. No, it, it, it's interesting. So just so I'm clear, how does Atlas tie into this or is it totally separate? No, Atlas is the technology, so it is the platform where okay. all the magic I described happens. Okay, gotcha. So, you know, let's say you're you're a person in a company, you're a recruiter. Yep. Well, you'll go post your positions in the platform. You'll select the network that you want it to be automatically diffused on. You can connect different countries if ever you're looking at international recruitment. You connect social media. And then the incoming talent will be filtered via, will be captured and filtered through the platform. So everything happens in the system okay. uh, as opposed to being, you know, uh, working with separate applications. And this is Atlas is, is the technology that we use, you know, to architect solutions to problems. Again, using the same system, gotcha. but maybe adding features, you know, modifying certain things, bringing in something that we didn't have before, you know, adding a complementary partner that makes sense. Uh, for example, where we're, we're integrated with back checks, so we can do automatically order the back checks if, if a company wants to do that. So it's really so that, you know, recruiters don't have to leave the platform and, and they have everything they need to complete and to be as efficient as possible on the platform. And on the other side, so that the, the candidate has a great experience, it's easy to be you know, to come apply and then it's easy to modify, upload your documents. So, and you know, the goal is really to have that well-being of both parties through the technology. Okay. So how do you guys leverage social media in the platform? Uh, we are connected directly through social media. So as you mentioned, you were approached, uh, you know, via social media by a human recruiter. Yeah. So we connect on the different platforms to automate a portion of the work of the recruiters who who identify profiles, but instead of, of bugging them and poking them on social <laughs> media, uh, they can do it in a less uh, time costly way, less you know uh, annoying way on the candidate side. Just you know bringing potential opportunities to the eyes of the candidates who afterwards can decide whether or not they want to embark and, and and continue with the opportunity. So social media is key for us. And that's also where we do uh, our, our mass communications, you know, the different campaigns we do for different companies or for ourselves. So really, I, I think social media is changing the name of the game and, and it's opening up so much opportunity on the candidate side, but it's also temporarily making it almost harder for people to find work because everybody's kind of scattered. And, you know, it, it's all, uh, 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 by, things are done by fluke. So let's say, again, you're, you're looking for a job tomorrow and you're on LinkedIn, you're on Facebook, you're there. It's impossible for you at one point to know the perfect job for you or the perfect five jobs. It's impossible. It, sure. it, it's, there's so many factors that come into play uh, that it, it's impossible. You can, yes, you can go on job boards, you can see what's there, but there's probably hundreds of positions that aren't posted. And maybe, you know, in the couple of weeks, you won't be looking, there'll be some that will come in and out. So anyways, 
like I was saying, you know, social media is great. I think by connecting with different technologies such as ours or others, I think it'll become much, much more efficient for, for both sides to leverage social media in a much more efficient way, because basically that's, that's where everybody is, all the talent's there. Sure. So uh, I'm curious, though, it seems to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that all the job seeker nowadays seems to spend a lot more time researching companies and, and trying to align and their values with a company before they even apply. And so it seems to me that less and less people are just randomly blasting their resume or CV out. They're actually spending a quite, quite a bit of time doing their research and homework on the companies they apply to. Therefore, they apply to less companies. Do you Have you found that or what are your thoughts around that? Again, for, you know, very positively, it, the, it, the market has changed. Uh, we used to be in what we call an employer-powered market. So right. the employers had all the power. You know, people were lucky to get an interview. And then you would walk in the interview all stressed and shaking because there's 150 people sure. that wanted the job. Uh, so that's kind of how it was. That's why marketing wasn't really an issue. You know, sales, hey, no, you're lucky to be here. Um, but because we're in a talent shortage, it's become a very, very candidate-driven market. And, the, you know, talented people who have good CVs and great profiles and personalities, you know, really have a lot more power in their hands. So, yes, indeed. They are researching companies and you know what? They should. And, uh, you know, I always tell people who are either, you know, not happy at work or considering a job. It's like, you know, look at your, your, your passion, look at who you are, what you like to do, you know, all that. And then connect, you know, what's the industries that make sense for me? Uh, you know, what are the types of companies in these industries? Is it, is it big companies I like? Is it smaller? Is it kind of in the middle? And it's, it's so necessary to do this assessment before you start looking because then, you, yes, you end up kind of like me all those years back, you know, throwing CVs around, you know, kind of, you know, urgently trying to get a job, but never ending up in the right processes. So it's going on. It's going to continue to go on. And also the younger generations, you know, it, it's not only it's, it's not only about work. It's not only about salary and what it used to be. Uh, you know, I've seen with the, you know, the, the many that I've hired, they, they want challenges. They want, you know, great company cultures. They, they want to be, uh, you know, inspired and like the product. So it's going to continue to go in that way, making on the flip side, it much harder for companies who maybe for a position used to get 200 CVs. And then today, sometimes they get none. Sometimes they get only a couple. Uh, which is why there's such a, a growth in the usage of social media to approach people directly because these people are no longer knocking at their doors as they used to be. Interesting. So I, I'm curious then, how does a company use your platform? I, I know they get matched, but how do they make, their profile more appealing than their competitors they gotta spend time the first thing okay. is the first thing isn't even technology okay it's about like i said it's about marketing and okay. image which is ironic because as i was mentioning i studied and worked you know sure. over a decade in marketing and it comes back it comes creeping back to me as a, you know, useless, uh, a non-useless function that, you know, is, is really up and coming. So it's really to take some time, invest some time in developing what, what they call the employer branding and making sure that they're putting out their authentic, uh, you know, values and, and to reflect. It's not like, you know, that, that marketing scam where you make the burger look better than it is. <laughs> you really gotta, <laughs> you gotta be authentic and if, if these are your five values but 
you know, it's only on the wall, nobody feels it. That's not what you've got to put out there because even if you get the candidate to apply, you know, and, and to buy what you're saying, they're going to know that it's not true and it's not going to last. And that's what, that's not what companies want. So ultimately transparency, authenticity uh, needs to be done. And that's more of a creative, uh, a creative portion of the work. Uh, so as a, a step one, you know, at all key contact points, the story has to be the same. It has to be authentic and it has to be enticing for candidates to say, hey, cool, you know, I am interested uh, in this company. The other things is, you know, there, there's cool ways to make some noise right now uh, through video content and multimedia, you know, still again today. And I, I can't believe it's still as uh, prominent as it is that boring text job description with the you know, 15 some bullet points, yeah, black yeah, and yeah. white, you know, it's overdue. It, it's overdue to, to turn that into a multimedia experience. But again, it goes with, with the HR function that's under a revolution and not really comfortable with, it's not really, it is tech, but it's like marketing tech, you know, but they, they, they have a learning curve, but I do see that that's going to change it. And that's what's going to make the difference. Seeing through video or virtual reality, how does it look in the company? You know, seeing maybe the founder talk, hey, I like her, I like him, I like what she's saying, or, you know, I, I, I'm enticed to find out more. Uh, so that's really step one. And that's, you know, through our platform, we're able to build with companies these, these multimedia portals so they can have really the right messages to put out there. Then uh, where the, you know, the whole matching process starts once we have the candidates that come in, uh, it's really, you know, for the recruiter, because one of the things I found out through the many years, we used to have a, a standard match. So it was, okay. you know, everybody was matched the same way. Every candidate, every recruiter, it's same question, both sides, the big, you know, algorithm running in behind. Uh, but what we found is that each recruiter has a different way of seeing things. And we saw that as we were servicing companies, every recruiter, you know, sometimes we, same recruiter, maybe two separate, you know, processes, the person wasn't acting the same way or filtering the same way or, you know, wanting the same thing. So we really have allowed through our tool, the recruiter to input his or her decision-making process and to replicate it automatically and apply it subsequently, which Jesus. is revolutionary because, hey, we're really far away from the keyword. Uh, we're far further away from a standard out of the box, but you know, automated, you know, algorithm rolling. We're really into customized AI, whereby when the recruiter looks at the results, it's not out of the box. It really reflects what that person would have done. And again, it's about transparency. When they look at the report uh, of people that were excluded, they have to say, okay, I understand why that person was excluded because I know I would have made that decision. So that's really where the magic happens by automating, again, AI algorithms. It's all about automating decision-making and, and complex decision-making. And although it does look simple, you know, a recruiter sure. is looking at a CV, you know, taking that one minute to kind of scan, looking at different data points. There's all these decisions that are coming in their heads that makes it, okay, I'm going to save this CV or no, I'm going to reject this CV. And that's what our, 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 our math is doing in the background to be able to do that, but without the human intervention. So as not to, you know, make their jobs go away, but just make their jobs much more fun because they can concentrate on the human factor, the in-person interviews or the Skype interviews, but also working on all the marketing stuff that they got to learn. Uh, and I was talking to, to someone and I said, you know what? Yes, your job's going to change. And it was a, a director in HR. I said, your job's going to change. But I said, do you prefer clicking a hundred CVs or walking into, you know, a big ad agency because you're about to see what your new campaign outreach campaign is going to look like with all the, you know, ad executives. So he's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, you have a point. <laughs> you have a point. So it's really, it's really disrupting how they do work. Uh, it's not isolated. You know, all of the workforce, many, many positions are going to be affected by automation 
in the next 10 years. And, and it's how we're able to advance, even things are confusing and, and com companies got to con contribute to this by allowing change to come in, by giving opportunities to tech companies who come maybe with crazy ideas, but maybe in two years, those ideas are not going to be so crazy uh, and everybody's got to work together. So uh, hopefully I answered your question. <laughs> no, no, it's interesting, right? Because the, the thing that I find, well, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts because there's a huge, or there's a lot of people that are scared that AI is going to take out tons of jobs and we're all going to be just unemployed. But I, what I think, and you can tell me what you've seen is it will take away some of the simpler tasks, probably the boring tasks that people don't like doing. And you will just be doing different things in a few years. And I don't really think it's going to wipe out it probably will wipe out certain jobs, but I think as long as people are willing to learn and adapt, like we've, we've had to do as a civilization since the beginning of time, you should be fine. Have you kind of found that or what are your thoughts around that? I have lots of thought about what you just said, because for me, it's one of the most interesting topics right now. Sure. Uh, so latest data that I looked at, but it's constantly moving, is that they expect uh, within the next decade that 40% of the jobs will have been automated. And, and many, many companies, again, they're working on automation. It, short term, it's, it's probably creating more jobs than it's, it's replacing jobs. So, sure. you know, short term, we're, we're all okay. But, uh, you know, I do believe that there's probably going to be that, you know, a 40, 50% of jobs that will be automated uh, in the next decade or so, like it might take a couple more years. But uh, it's not all jobs that are likely to be automated or automatable, uh, if you may, because, you know, when it is repetitive, when you, when you can do a mathematical equation with your job, you're probably in a high risk job, you know, something repetitive, sure. something, you know, that you can see and imagine, you know, a, a, a machine or a system doing definitely. And oddly enough, I was, I was traveling, you know, recently and I, I really lived it, or at least I was conscious of it for the first time, how the world's going to change. Okay. We were at, at, at the airport. I had never been checked by a machine, like without any, you know, lovely lady welcoming me, checking my passport. I had never done that. So I talked to a box to check myself at the airport. Sure. And I'm like, oh my God, no people intervention. And I could see how that job just got, you know, just got rid of, right? And then, you sure. know, on the same trip, we're, we're in a little place and there's a karaoke. And before there was always the karaoke guy. And at this time, the karaoke I was a machine and right. everybody went to the machine. There was no human intervention. And then I turn around and at the bar, there's this really high tech, you know, order your drink and this, this arm making the drink. And I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> sure. Sure. And that, that, that is what the future is going to look like. And, and, and it is cool and scary, but the really reassuring thing is that within the next decade, again, they anticipate that, 85% of the jobs of 10 years from now, they don't exist today. Sure. So it's not like we're just going to get rid of jobs. More jobs are going to be created. And the perfect example is the one I just mentioned. The fact that now they're looking for experts in HR and marketing, and they don't really exist because it's a completely new field. So there'll be more and more of this work, which will be interesting and where people will have the most protection from, from job automation is where you need human creativity or, or the human impact to, to, to be able to realize that that's not automatable. As of today, when you meet it, you know, you, you like a CV, you do all your automated pre-qualification, you see the psychometric test. Well, still, there, there's just something about meeting the person and, and talking and saying, you know what, I, I have a good feeling about her. She, she you know, and to all those nonverbal cues and verbal cues, there's a lot of work that, you know, can't be replaced. Doesn't mean it's not going to be replaced in 50 years, but, you know, we'll talk about it. Then. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for the probably 25 years to come, 
I see the world as being very exciting. And, and yes, uh, to your point, people will have to be much more adaptable. Companies will have to be more adaptable, more flexible to say, hey, I'm looking for 10 people like this. They don't exist or, you know, they, they, the form that I want doesn't exist. I got to be flexible. Why don't I consider somebody who may not have all the baggage, but, you know, invest in training and, and, and to be able to get to that, that point. And we're actually working on some pretty cool initiatives to be able to turn around talent and take talent that, you know, kind of outside the normal box, you know, provide them with, with training and integration. And then we, we help them connect with companies. I, I believe that that's the future to be able to do that as fast as possible. Interesting. No, I agree with you. The other thing that I want to get your thoughts on is it seems to me, and I, I think you're going to agree with this, that being able to almost use or like uh, creative problem solving skills are going to be almost really, really valuable because it's the people that can try something, fail at it, try something Maybe it half works, maybe it fails again, but are willing to constantly try new things until something works and just not give up. Almost that kind of entrepreneurial mindset. And I think we need to change fail the word failure to be less negative. Like there's I don't think there's anything wrong with failing a bunch like you talk to any successful entrepreneur that will honestly tell you what they went through they fail numerous times in a day right and they're the they keep trying something new it's like oh this didn't work i'm gonna try this this didn't work i'm gonna try that or this half work let's keep going in that direction right and i think that to me is gonna be one of if not the most important skill i think for the job of the future and you can apply that to any industry across the board do you agree with that do you think i'm crazy to say that or, or somewhere in the no. middle <laughs> no no i totally agree with you uh for me failure is part of the process failure and it's a stupid word because there's so much negativity yeah. you know around it and oh my god you can't be a failure and and I, I guess, you know, I can't retrace how we got so obsessed with fearing failure. Sure. But, you know, failure is learning. It's trying things. It's impossible to want to do big things, things that people have never done yeah. and not fail. It's, a, it's impossible because there's no recipe because you're always iterating. And, and what machines won't be able uh, to replicate is this, this human spirit of not giving up. And, and it's not about, you know, yes, they'll be able to roll programs over and over, but to say, huh, okay, how can I tackle this differently? And, you know, all, all that, that, that human pretend, that human fire, I would say, yeah, uh, can be replicated. And that's what the human fire is what's going to continue uh, to, to, to do magic and to reinvent things down the line. And, and that's not in any case, I don't, well, anyways, not from my lifetime, going to be a replaceable by a machine. <laughs> no, fair enough. I, I also think, too, people need to be willing to learn new things. And it doesn't have to be every day. Obviously, if you can, that's great. But I, I think that's going to be a big skill set, too, because you talk to some people that have been doing the same thing for decades, and they're fine, not really pushing the envelope or, or learning new things. And I think those are the people that have more potential to actually potentially get replaced. Do, do you agree with that? Like replaced by technology, I should say. For sure. And, and, you know, the world's turning so fast. Like, I mean, there's changes being, as we're, as we're speaking, there's probably hundreds of changes that are going to impact us in a big way that are getting pushed and that are going to be growing, you know, within the next couple of weeks, months, and that we'll hear about, sure. uh, you need to be adaptable. You need to constantly learn, especially because jobs are going to change. And it, especially for people who see it coming, oh my God, you know what? My job is at risk of either really radically changing or being automated. You need to reinvent yourself. And, and what's beautiful is that there's no age to do that. And it's, uh, I have a lot of people that, 
come, have come to pass through my company. And, you know, people are in their 50s, sometimes people are in their 60s and, and they're, they're going and they've just finished a, a degree, a new degree that they had never done before in computer science and programming. And I love that fire, that fire to say, you know what, the world's changing and I don't care you know, how old I am, I'm jumping in the bandwagon and I, I want to be part of this. So yes, it's a must. It's a must. And, uh, you know, uh, that's what's going to continue uh, evolving society is that everybody's, you know, constantly striving to learn more and more. Uh, and but not only to learn, but to use what they learn to contribute positively to the world. Yeah, well, and I also think too, and, and I would put myself in this boat, I, like when I was a lot younger, you don't realize how important experience is until you have experience in an industry. Do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. You kind of, and again, I, I'm, I've done the same thing too. You know, I was in school or just out of school. And, sure. you know, I thought I had the answers. You know, I had that young fire, you know, ready to conquer the world like a bulldog. But, you know, you, you do find out that there's some lessons that, you kind of have to, even if somebody would have taught them to me sure. to have lived them. Yeah. Oh my God. It is sometimes it's the only way to learn. I mean, there's, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of, of theory and things I learned in school that, you know, have, have done me a lot of good through the years, but the big lesson, oh my God, I've really learned them on the job. And, and, and again, it's, it's not about failing. It's about learning. Yeah. And, and if you do want to associate the failing world, it's, you know, fail. I, I love when that they say fail forward, you know, so you can get up, fail fast, fail forward, get back on your feet, try something else. That's all it is. And, and, and to give yourself the right to, to fail because it's part of the innovation process it's the, and it's part of the learning process as well. So, um, yes, I totally uh, agree with you on that point. Yeah, no, it's interesting, but I, I guess a counterpoint to that, and I've seen it work is sometimes it is easier to come into an industry that you haven't been in because you can see all the, ridiculous red tape and craziness around that. And sometimes it's easier to, to be that kind of fresh mind and, and person coming into that industry. So what are your thoughts on the kind of the opposite of what we just talked about? <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I was a late entrepreneur. So I worked 12 years in corporate and, you know, I, I, I was very comfortable at the end, you know, learning, but not learning as much as when I was young. And, uh, you know, when I, I made the switch into the HR tech, you know, I realized how little I knew about certain things. Sure. And, and, and again, I was looking at it from a fresh eye. So new industry and people would say, what, what do you, you know, we've tried that. It's not going to work. What are you talking about? But because my eyes weren't tainted yeah. by the industry, it made me so much more creative at, at, at thinking that I could do basically everything I could. So on the flip side, it was positive. But where I reach your point is being a late entrepreneur and okay. not having been an entrepreneur out of school. Sometimes I missed, I guess I, I'll call it naive, like the naiveness maybe, but like just when you're just fresh out of school, like you're ready to take on the world, you know, sure. you, you haven't lived the ups and downs. Yeah, you're not jaded. And being that you're not jaded, <laughs> you're not disappointed, you don't know what's impossible. But after 12 years, oh, you know, you're, I was ready to take on risk. Sure. But not in the same way as I would have straight out of school. Sure. Uh, so sometimes I miss that part of me. I said, God, if only I had been 20 when I did this, I would have like ripped it apart. But on the flip side, I probably would have made like huge mistakes. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I, uh... <laughs> so I think both work together. And what's interesting, especially, you know, they talk a lot about, you know, all the developments in, in AI and how much it can contribute positively to the world. Well, because it's a new field, at around the table, you need 
all those different outlooks. You need the, the yeah, fresh out of school people. You need people that aren't in AI, you know, reflecting on the pro, uh, you know, on the uh, on the problem. You need different cultures. You need men, women. You need all that diversity because that's only the way to find those awesome solutions, those solutions that really change the world because you're coming at it with different eyes and they all work together uh, for the better. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with you. I, I think you're right. You need the most amount of perspectives from people from different backgrounds, different economic backgrounds, different parts of the world, different genders, different races, everything, right? And the more diversity you have at coming at a specific problem, I think the solution is better at, in the end. That's my absolutely, opinion. Absolutely. And, and one of the, I guess, key challenges of the future pertaining to recruitment automation is that worry. Because again, I, and I don't want to get too technical, sure. but when you have the AI that's automating a, a decision-making process sure. and the human being at its core, whether we want to, we're not objective people, right? And, and, and you know, we're, there's a, sometimes subjectivity that comes into the equation and, and there are recruitment biases, sure. e even on the people that, you know, it's just, it's human. Sure. So yeah. when you work at bettering a replication of a biased decision-making model, you have to be careful because with deep learning, machine learning that's coming, well, technically this intelligence would be able to reprogram itself to become more and more efficient. And if at the core you're introducing biases, well then, you know, you're unleashing automation that would be more likely to exclude certain people from certain cultures or age, you know, whatever, whatever it is that the bias can be based on. And again, where that's where I come in. If you have all these different perspectives around the table, that's much less likely to occur because you have all those different viewpoints and somebody's bound to put up their hand sure. and say, hello, you know? No, I, so. I, I 100% agree. No, it's fascinating. But sadly, we're, we're running out of time. So maybe let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and uh, any other links you want to mention. Yes, yeah, so uh, people can uh, come see what we're doing on uh, workland.com. Uh, you know, all the information is there. And uh, I'm very big on LinkedIn. I like connecting with people. So people, you know, that do want to find out more information can uh, reach out to me. Uh, my name is uh, Julie Hubert, so President and CEO of Workland, as you mentioned. And I'll gladly connect and, and answer people's questions about the future of work, the future of recruitment, and uh, everything that we're doing to make sure it's a better world. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time into your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Perfect. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.